0: A breast cancer diagnosis can be shocking, distressing, and incredibly isolating. Find warmth and hope through One to One, a podcast that connects women diagnosed with breast cancer to inspirational survivors, experts in the breast cancer field, and relevant self-care, wellness, and breast cancer-related information. Subscribe to our podcast and feel the power of One to One with Firefly Sisterhood. If you have breast cancer, you are no longer alone. Thanks so much for joining me on One to One with Firefly Sisterhood. I'm Amy Tix, a breast cancer survivor, firefly staffer, and the host of today's episode, which is a continuation of our blog discussion of pets and healing. I have two amazing guests on the podcast today. Our first guest is Monica Anderson, a firefly guide who chose equine therapy to help with trauma from her own breast cancer experience. Our second guest on this episode is Molly DePreckel, a licensed therapist who specializes in animal assisted therapy at Hold Your Horses and the Midwest Center for Trauma and Emotional Healing. She'll share the methods used in animal assisted therapy, how animals help with healing and ways you can find inner peace and well-being today. My discussion with Molly starts about 10 minutes into the podcast. Let's start with Monica. During our conversation, I reference a photo, which you can find on our website blog. Monica, you are here with me today because we've been doing a blog series on pets and animals and how they impact us emotionally, and our healing, and in our lives in general. And so today I invited you in because you have experience with a very large animal, which would be horses. And I wanted to start with this photograph you sent me, and it's you with a horse staring intently at each other. And I guess my question is,
1: what were you doing that day? And... Tell me about that horse. (laughs) Well, that particular day, I was at a place in northern Minnesota. It was a farm uh, called Discovery Horse. And I was working with a practitioner, um, Sarah Sherman. I went to see her, and I said, look, I am healing from breast cancer. And I, I don't feel very good about myself. I need help. In that photograph, I was weak and pretty broken and still healing. And when I got to the ranch, Sarah said, so normally I pick the horse for my clients after I spend some time with them, but since you're very sensitive to horses, would you like to pick your own horse for our work today? And I said, you know, I'd like to meet them all, which I did, and I said, I'd like to pick the horse that has the biggest capacity to deal with all my strong emotions. After you met all the horses, how did you know Lance was the horse? Well, it's funny. Lance chose me. What happened was I met all the horses. I kind of liked Lance, but Lance was pretty big and pretty aloof. I said to Sarah, Uh, oh, you pick the horse, it'll be easier. I want them all. So Lance started to walk towards me. And, you know, horses come and go when you're in their space. Like, you, they, they come, they say hello, and then they just walk away. Mm -hmm. And this horse was coming back. So we decided to work with Lance. Interestingly, we took Lance away from the herd to work one-on-one with me inside this barn that had a beautiful ring. And we, we would just let Lance get comfortable in the ring. And then Sarah and I sat down and we started to talk a little bit about some of the things that were going on inside me and some of the things I was hoping to experience that day. And Basically confidence was what I was working on, kind of an inner trust of myself. I felt I didn't trust my body, I didn't trust myself, I i felt my confidence was shattered. Mm-hmm. When you're with a gigantic animal, they know if you're confident or not. It doesn't really matter, you can be accepted without confidence, but the horse knows. For me, I was confident enough to let this monster animal in my face. and and just be there for as long as I could, kind of holding space with the horse and the horse with me. And then sometimes my eyes were closed and sometimes they were open. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that story with Lance.
0: But the whole time you're with the horse,
1: your therapist is also there yeah. as well, correct? It, kind of behind it. And, and sometimes they'll ask what's going on Okay, with inside you right now, what are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so
0: you mentioned as part of your story, this shattering of your confidence and trying to rebuild it again. What happened to you that you came to this place where you were standing in front of the horse?
1: Well, I mean, there have been many traumas in my life that were probably unresolved, but the big one was uh, breast cancer. And I had a double mastectomy and four drains, and I really didn't allow myself to heal. I was very eager to get back to work. Mm-hmm. I thought that was where I would feel normal again. Mm-hmm. And I hated the word survivor. I felt like of course I'm a survivor. I live. Now let's get back to business. Mm -hmm. And I did really bold things like the second day I was home from the hospital with OxyContin and four drains. I went on a whale watching boat and I might have even had a glass of wine. I don't remember, but I broke all the rules. That's all I remember. (laughs) And it was my way of saying I'm healed. And of course I wasn't healed. I was really just not even accepting where I what what had happened to me. Right. So how I got to Lance was when I was healing after my surgery, I was blessed to be in a place where no one was really taking care of me, but there were horses everywhere. And I would go out to the stables, and I, I met each horse. I got really close to them, and I felt each one of them sized me up pretty well. And each one of them gave me some love that I needed. So this wasn't necessarily an environment that was with a therapist or with nope. the horses that were set aside for therapy. This was just my yeah. own... Yeah, I, I call it carrot therapy because I found that with four drains, I could still wear a little fanny pack stuffed with carrots. And the moment those carrots were visible, each one of them would actually nilly. They would make noises when I showed up. I was the carrot lady. Now, did you connect with one of them
0: more?
1: You, more uh, than I connected with the horse that was missing the eye. It was a, f- a famous racehorse, and every night a jockey would come and ride it, and uh, it, it had one eye, and they didn't cover it up. A lot of people get a fake eye or do something so the horse looks good, but this horse was just th- that way, and I felt oh. it had m- was missing something, and so was I. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But oh. I fell in love with horses there. I knew that they were huge part of my, my healing.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Once you met Lance and
0: you had that initial meeting with your therapist, what did you do, do at your second meeting with Lance and your third meeting? Was there a certain exercises you did? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So after I met Lance, I realized, is it just going to be Lance and I, or are the other horses, or do you pick a horse differently when you have all of them in the herd? And so I told Sarah that I'd like to come back some more, and so I did come back a couple times alone, and I did want to work with Lance because I wanted to continue the relationship. Lance had done something to me that was never done before, which is I was asking Lance a question about how do I trust my body and live cured from cancer, and then I was crying, and Instead of Lance coming up to me, which is what you would want and have it kind of nuzzle your face, right. Lance turned his entire body and gave me his rear end. And I grew up riding where you were told never get behind a horse, especially in a herd it, when they start kicking, you're going to get kicked. Yeah. So now I was mortified. I felt rejected. I felt my biggest fear was now the horse had its rear end of my face, and my uh, coach said to me, don't worry. She said, Lance is protecting you. Lance is giving you another kind of message. And I don't, I never know if it was a made up that she said that or if it was true, but I just held my ground with Lance. And I just thought, okay, now he's going to do something else. But that didn't last very long. But you know, that was kind of the end of my work with with Lance. And then I, I went to a seminar. For people that are working with mentally ill patients or people that are caregivers, and it was a it was a seminar to have self-care. There I experienced several other horses, and they were coming to me, and so that's a theme I have with animals is that I want the horse to come to me. And so what I'm trying to work on now is actually picking a horse and starting the contact because... The whole philosophy I have about working with horses myself personally is that it's about connection. Mm-hmm. So connecting with myself, then I'm connecting with a horse. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be able to go to the horse uh, and see what it's like to either have the connection or not. And How that's... do you know
0: you have a connection with the horse? Like what, what is it you feel? Is it something that the horse does? How do you know there's a connection?
1: I think it's not from your brain. So a lot of thinking goes on, but it's really when you know you're truly connected, it's a heart connection or a a gut connection. And I, I find that my own intuition is activated more when I'm with a horse because I'm automatically quieter. I'm automatically more grounded. I'm not moving quickly. I'm really focused on the horse. And because the horse is so present, it creates a presence in me beautiful yeah yeah because horses uh, are really present and if they don't want to be near you they're going to leave if they don't want you on them they're going to throw you off Hmm. if they don't want to be with you they'll come by and then just keep going or or ignore you altogether and eat so they do what they want to do and so if you come to them and you try to make a connection it has to be done intuitively you can't just talk to it and have the horse go oh i'm connected now no, you have to stand there and really feel the space with them. And then sometimes you can ask a question and you don't really get an answer, but the horse will do something.
0: My question then is, how has this translated
1: into your own life now? So what I do with it now, I I see courses when I have major decisions to make. I see courses when I'm feeling scared, like if I feel Uh, There's something going on inside me, and I I wonder if I'm going to have cancer come back again. It's a good time to seek a horse. It's a good time to seek a horse when you just want to accept the reality of your new body. Um, I had a hard time accepting that I was never going to be the same again. I I wish I would have done it after my diagnosis. I waited till after my surgery. I, I would have started the moment I was diagnosed. I end all my interviews
0: with um, one final question, which is, do you have anything that came to mind as we were as we were speaking or as I was as- asking you questions that I didn't ask you about that you would like to share about equine therapy or your experience with it or maybe how it has affected other people in your life or observations about it?
1: I think there's there are a couple kinds of people. There are people that really are afraid of horses, mm-hmm. people that just don't like them, want nothing to do with them. And then there are people who have had a longing in their heart since childhood. And all of a sudden, you know, you you get this sense of freedom and wildness when you see wild horses running or you you imagine yourself on the horse. And equine therapy is so different because you're just with the horse, you're not on the horse. Mm -hmm. But horses are magical. And of all the animals that we have access to, We can't really do this with elephants in this part of the country. We can't go to the zoo and be with the monkeys. But I would say that uh, the horse is the nearest thing to this freedom, confidence, trust, all kinds of things that are emotional uh, that go on. I think the horse is the best way to, I would say, accelerate this growth and development, especially after a major trauma in life, especially after any breast cancer uh, diagnosis. Mm-hmm.
0: And I like that you call breast cancer trauma because it really is traumatic and finding confidence in yourself after losing part of yourself or, you yeah. know, part of your body changes.
1: And... I consider any cancer diagnosis a trauma, so... I agree with that.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, it sounds like you are doing well and you have big plans for the future with horses. So I love that. I love that your experience with equine therapy has really impacted your life and will do so in the future. And I appreciate your time today. and Thank you for coming in and speaking with us and sharing your story with the Firefly community. Well, great, Amy. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. And I just, I wish everyone well on their journey. Molly Depreckel is my next guest and I will let her introduce herself.
2: Thank you very much. I'm Molly DePreckel, and I'm very excited to be sharing a little bit with all of you about what I do. I am a psychologist and I work here at Hold Your Horses and I work at the Midwest Center for Trauma and Emotional Healing in Minnetonka and I do animal assisted therapy with clients and I would say The people that I serve and work with are heroes in their own right because they're all dealing with their own life circumstances and they're brave enough to come into therapy and do the hard work that they need to do to offer healing to themselves and heal their relationships with others in the world. So I feel very privileged to do what I do and I have the luxury of having critters with me in the work that I do. At my office, I have. a dog named Willow, who's a little 19-pound feist and sits up on the couch with people and listens to their stories. And I just adopted a dog from Helping Paws that is not going to be a dog for people with physical disabilities, so he's now going to work as a facility dog in my private practice. And he's a golden retriever, and he is about 68 pounds. he adds a new dimension because he's a little bit bulkier and people are allowed to kind of just be laying with them on the floor or giving him a big hug or playing ball with them. So he brings some movement and action to the work that I do. And then my work at Hold Your Horses is equine assisted psychotherapy. I've been doing that for about 28 years, or as I like to say, since the earth was cooling. <laughs> and I have the opportunity to partner with seven different horses out here in the barn. and work with people in various stages of recovery from trauma and mental health difficulties. I do everything from being out in the pasture with clients to being in the cross ties where they're grooming and connecting with the horses that way to being in the arena and working with the horses and we do some riding. If clients need to get on the horse and it's not like riding like you go out on a trail ride but people get on the horse and there's a Equine specialist or animal handler that leads the horse and then I'm standing alongside and just talking and we're working through things and often clients will do some releasing and working through heart issues while they're sitting on the horse. I bring in both yoga calm, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is a form of reprocessing trauma or uh, resourcing how we do our own healing in the world and what our strengths are. I also incorporate sensory motor psychotherapy, which is a somatic practice, somatic meaning body-centered. So people will stand with the horse and they'll say, I feel happy or I feel sad, and we'll say things like, where do you feel that in your body? And then we work through the body because often there is different things stored in the body and trauma and things like that, and so to be able to release it. Interesting when you work with people with horses because people will say horses are a mirror of our emotions. and I believe more they are attuned because in order to survive in the wild they had to be attuned to the whole herd and they also had to be attuned to the environment if there was a predator around or things that weren't safe and so when we are incongruent and say like i'm not scared or i'm fine and then we're really anxious or worried about the horses we're worried that we're going to be safe they feel that they can smell it they can sense it in their somatic beings by watching our body movements And so they less rely on what we say, but they rely on how we appear in our bodies. And so we can talk about incongruency or is that how you really feel and people, they're good lie detectors because people go, well, really, I'm kind of anxious. And when they say that, the horse will often take a really deep breath or go, and it's like, oh, and they'll say, what did the horse do? And I'm like, well, they just relaxed. Really? Just because I owned who I am and my true self, I'm like, you bet. And so that's a really beautiful way to get people to start to attune to what they really feel and are aware of in their body.
0: Sure. You talked about trauma. If you could just give us some examples of some of the trauma that people have experienced that you work with.
2: Is breast cancer
0: one of them? I, yes, or? I
2: have. I have worked with clients who are in various stages of recovery from breast cancer. And it's also um, its near and dear to my heart because I just lost a friend about two weeks ago. And so... Sorry, I didn't realize no. I was emotional, oh. and family members also who, thank goodness, are still with us on the planet and recovering from breast cancer. So, mm-hmm. The thing about trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder is it's, it's varied because what is traumatizing to one person may not be to someone else, and it often depends on if it happened in childhood or adulthood. And it also depends on what the resources the person had at the time of the trauma and if there was opportunities for relationship repair and things like that. The other thing is if someone can have an act of triumph in their own life that helps them recover from trauma in a really big way too if they have ways that they acted that help them survive.
0: And how would somebody know
2: when they need help after a trauma or when to seek professional help? I think when they react to things in the now in a way that says wait a minute that felt like an overreaction Mm -hmm. and that felt like it was way too much emotion or really upsetting Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't warrant the present circumstance sure and it may be that they're um feeling more emotional or that or sometimes people will come in and say i don't get as much joy out of the things that i used to like to do or they say i'm having a harder time getting out of the house or i'm more reactive and so When people notice that they're more reactive to things, then they will recognize maybe I need to do some work with trauma. And I think sometimes they get referred by medical people that they're doing some things with the medical doctor and they're not finding anything physically going on. And they are either in pain or they're having, you know, symptoms of, you know, anxiety, racing heart, things like that. And there's some emotional components and they start to unpack things from their past that they recognize influences them in the present moment. Sure.
0: You talked about horses and you talked about dogs. Can people bring in their own pets to work with animal assisted therapy or do you specifically work with those two animals?
2: You know I have had clients bring in their animals sometimes. What I like to do at our office because we do have facility dogs and therapy dogs there is if somebody's gonna bring in their animal that we make a plan ahead of time Mm -hmm. and then I will either have my animals not come in that day or they'll be in crates or things like that and then we also have some clients who have psychiatric service dogs or emotional support dogs and they can bring them into the office as long as again they let their therapist know ahead of time and things like that and then I often will talk to clients about animals and pets and it's even on my intake have you do you have a pet what happened to it do you still have it things like that because people will start to tell you about themselves when they talk about their animals and their pets. And it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. because they will start to just unwind and story tell and they'll show you pictures Mm -hmm. and you get a sense of who they are in the world in a different way.
0: And they almost relax into the conversation then?
2: Yeah. And I encourage a movement with clients when they're not in therapy. Get up and move your skin. I often say that to my clients and I'm like, take your dog for a walk, go play with your cat. If you have an uncle who has a farm and they have chickens go run around and play with the chicken you know whatever to get them moving and some of my clients are more nature-based than pet-based and they'll say go watch the birds go for a walk in the woods you know anything that connects you into your calm expressive self and connects you with nature is good for you
0: Was well, so one of my questions was
2: just some general suggestions if you wanted to do
0: something today to help your health and well-being really just yeah
2: being in the you know i tell people hug a tree go lean against a tree you know root systems of trees are connected all around the world with each other and we can gain a lot of connection and relational stuff by being with the trees and go sit by a stream listen to the water flow i think it's funny they have all those apps now that you can buy or put on your phone that listen to the birds or hear a stream and it's calming it's like go sit outside put your butt on the ground right it's good for you and go do it yeah
0: So tell me, somebody who would like to go through equine therapy or animal assisted therapy, is there a process you have for doing that? Do you do
2: the same things with all your
0: clients? How how does it work?
2: I invite people to come into my office for an intake because I want to start at the office and get a baseline. So they come to the office in Minnetonka and we talk about it and then figure out what the goals are and if we can impact the goals with horses. So we teach people a lot about safety and how to work with horses. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to get involved with animal-assisted therapy, you know, they can look online at mwtraumacenter.com, which is my website at the Midwest Center, and it will talk about animal-assisted work. There's opportunities for therapy. I do consulting with other people who want to learn about how to do this work. Mm -hmm. If they were interested in some occupational therapy, which is more working with the movement of the horse, and impacting the body. Janet Weisberg, who's at Hold Your Horses, does the occupational therapy here at Hold Your Horses. And then is there, do I do the same thing with all my clients? The answer is absolutely not. I might do some of the same activities, but what we're processing might be very different. I believe that everybody has their own individual recipe for healing. And so we have to build that together. And if people can build that recipe for healing from the inside out rather than the outside in, then they're healing, they can actually change their neural pathways and their neurology and their brain. So, you know, somebody might come out and I might say, okay, we're going to try some Tellington T-Touch, which is some energy work on the horses. And they come back and they say, well, I really liked this T-Touch, but I didn't like this one. I'm like, great, let's stick with that one and I'm going to teach you how to do it for yourself. And um, somebody else might come in and say, I didn't like the tea touch, but I really like the butterfly hug from EMDR. And I'm like, great, let's work with that. And so the body gives us information about our own healing process. So it's very unique.
0: So you're really facilitating somebody to heal themselves versus, versus you telling them what to do. yes how would somebody find a therapist that specializes in equine therapy or animal assisted therapy do they have a listing somewhere that somebody could go on you know and search for somebody
2: in a perfect world i'd like to say yes there's a website there isn't but if you just put in equine assisted or animal assisted therapy people can always call me too i don't always have openings right away but i do kind of i'm pretty connected with um, different practitioners around minnesota and around the country and then I also teach at the University of Denver in the School of Social Work because they now have a certificate program in animal-assisted therapy, and so there's more opportunities for training and education. And is that something
0: someone should look for then, like a certain certification? Like, um, like your doctor, you know, you, you, of course, your M.D. As
2: a consumer, I would look and I would ask that question about how long have people been doing this? Mm-hmm. Have you had training in animal-assisted therapy? Is your dog registered with an organization, pet partners, or a different organization? And what in what training do you have in animal behavior that, with that mm-hmm. species of animals? I would ask questions like, do you work alone okay. when you're with horses? Or do you have an equine specialist that works with you? All those kinds of questions. You what, know. Is
0: a, what is an equine specialist? That so, I, do a, you work with
2: an I have been doing this for about 28 years, and so I function both as the mental health practitioner and kind of the horse handler. If I work with more than one person, I always have a horse handler or equine specialist working with me. It's just safer. Okay. And It's also, I like to have somebody really being aware of the horses, so in my groups we have two equine specialists, animal handlers that work when we work with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have a family, I'll have somebody kind of helping um, okay. because I think it's really important
0: Well, and you said a family, so more than one could be involved in the therapy session to help? Yep, absolutely. Yes,
2: there's an opportunity for family.
0: I was in my interviews with, is there something I didn't ask, um, obviously you're the expert, you've done this for 28 years, that I didn't ask about that would be helpful for somebody who has breast cancer, that's been listening, is experiencing trauma. Uh, or feels that breast cancer is, has been a traumatic part of their life You know, it comes with cancer, chemotherapy, and losing your hair, and losing parts of your body. Anything else that I did not ask about that you feel might be important?
2: I would say for someone who is in recovery, who is struggling with this, is reach out, ask for help. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a pet and you want some connection, mm-hmm. call a friend and say, can you bring over your dog? There's different programs around the Twin Cities that actually do visits. They visit hospitals, they visit different nursing homes, and they can have an animal come and visit with them. So I'd say that that's possible, you know. We have the best park system, one of the best park systems in the country, and go sit at one of the parks and watch all the birds eating out of the bird feeders Mm -hmm. and things like that, but get out and move. And then the other thing I would say is that it's really important for people who are getting involved in animal assisted therapy to be ethical in their practice and we have to really be aware of the ethical treatment of animals and calming signals that animals give that they're stressed out or it's too much and things like that so I always emphasize be really mindful that we care for the animals that we work with it is a high demanding field because I have not only to worry about my own self-care but those are the animals that I'm involved with too and you know the animals here get high quality care and they get time to be horses, and they get time that people come out and just ride for fun and exercise the horses so that they get time away from clients because it can be pretty taxing. Okay. And the other, the last thing I would offer too is I really believe in offering care for the caregiver. So we're offering restorative workshops here at Hold Your Horses to help people develop their own care plan, their own self-compassion plan, and avoid compassion fatigue as a way to build their own capacity for healing and caring for self.
0: That's great because we talk about that a lot. People come to Firefly because a lot of times their support system has fallen away after Mm -hmm. months of chemotherapy and treatments and things like that. I'm so glad you touched on that. Um, And again, not necessarily riding the horse, not necessarily um, grooming the horse, but just whatever you feel is appropriate for your client.
2: Yep, yep. We do mostly groundwork and it just depends on the um, goals of the client and it also depends on what's happening in the moment. Sure, sure. The mindfulness piece. So you are really watching
0: the horse, your client, and, and being aware of the whole
2: environment. You bet. That's a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you love your job? I do. I, oh. I um, have an opportunity to be out here about two and a half days a week, and if I was in an office all the time, I think I'd go a little bonkers. Easy. And so the opportunity to be out on the land and in Indian nature and with the animals is a, is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for me. That's awesome.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciate your time today and your expertise. And this has been really interesting because we get so many people that just, they have such a relationship with their pets. And so I love that there's a professional aspect to, um, you know, animals being used in therapy. So awesome. Awesome. Thank you for joining us on One to One with Firefly Sisterhood. Firefly Sisterhood does not recommend or endorse physicians, other healthcare providers, healthcare facilities, medical treatments, and or any other content experts and providers that are guests on our podcast. Any health-related content in today's show should not be substituted for your doctor's advice. We would like to thank everyone who is helping us in carrying out our mission, our guests today, our sponsors, our individual donors who financially support the Firefly program, and our volunteer Firefly guides women surviving breast cancer, who support those recently diagnosed with this disease. For more information about Firefly, or to follow us on your favorite social media platforms, go to www.fireflysisterhood.org. While you're there, consider supporting our one-to-one program with a donation, or leave us a message with feedback by emailing info, I-N-F-O, at fireflysisterhood.org. Music for today's show is by Otros. One to One with Firefly Sisterhood is produced by Amy Tix at Firefly Sisterhood.